Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Duncan Robinson playing Levine. Let's see if Levine can take advantage, but he sells for a right side three and nails it. My goodness, Zach Levine on fire. He's five of five from three-point country. He's got 21 and a half, 57 of 50 in favor of Miami with 135 left. That was heard right here on 670, the score, your home for Bulls basketball. Robbie Makloff with you on the score on a Sunday afternoon. And Bulls basketball back on the score Tuesday when they take on Detroit. That's that's if, if, if they can field enough of a team to play if you're just tuning in. The latest Chicago Bull to go on the COVID-19 restricted list was the man you heard there in that shot. One of the few silver linings. In a 118-92 loss to the Miami Heat last night, Zach Levine goes on the list today. Joining us to talk about that and all things Chicago Bulls. Covers those Bulls for 670thescore.com. Pleasure to welcome in Cody Westerland. Cody, how are you this afternoon, man? I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing good, Cody. I'd be better if not for, for you know the daily news that another Chicago Bull is, is going on the COVID-19 list. It, it seems like... And I'm not a doctor or a scientist, Cody, but I am a comedian and I host a broadcast, and that apparently gets you medical creds in uh, 2021 in America. It seems like 24 to 36 hours, if a team can go that long during a COVID outbreak without a new case popping up, that you're 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 almost it's you're 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 probably in the clear. It's not guaranteed, but you're probably in the clear. And I can't remember the last time we went 24 or 36 hours without a new guy entering the protocol. Well, certainly that's the case for the Bulls at this point. I mean, basically in what the last 28, 30 hours, they've had four guys enter the protocol when you got Io Dosumu and Stanley Johnson. And then today's news with Zach Levine and Troy Brown Jr. So like you said, that, that game Tuesday that you referenced, I would say is tentatively scheduled right now. Uh, if I had to bet, I think they'll play it just because the approach the NBA has taken so far is if you have eight healthy bodies available, you go play basketball and we give you hardship waivers and exceptions to fill out your roster if you need it. And we keep this moving, but a lot can still change, you know, in the next 48 hours here or so uh, as they'll keep testing again and again. And it's a really, really rough situation for the Bulls. I think the NBA expected some of this to happen at some point. That's kind of what they've built into the system with, um, for the Bulls at this point, it's basically twice daily testing every time they're together. And they're basically just continually getting test results back, you know, every like eight hours that they're awake, basically, uh, at this point. So it's rough. 
Uh, the NBA expected some of this, and the Bulls are just going to have to figure it out and probably ride out this really tough patch for another, what, 10 or 14 days, I would expect. Do they have eight healthy players right now? And is there any limit on the number of hardship exemptions that, that you can use? Because they've already used what that, what, three times, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, they've used it two times, and they'll be eligible here again if, if need be. So um, you need eight players healthy. Bulls got nine healthy right now. Uh, Kobe White could come back on Tuesday and make that 10, but certainly uh, other guys can land in the protocol here too in the next couple of days and take that number down. So uh, the NBA grants these hardship waivers when teams continually have problems, and it's kind of a case by case basis in that sense. You know, like um, they'll tell you what you uh, what you're eligible for. You'll ask them about it in a way. So it's not like a hard and set rule. Um, on anything they want these games to be played so the problem is now is just like I mean who would the Bulls hardly even add with another hardship waiver you know like they already got Alfonso McKinney a Chicago native and before that they'd gotten Stanley Johnson who was in training camp like it's hard to bring these guys in who know nothing about your team and just plug them in so that's the rough spot for the Bulls certainly there are players out there but um, at that point, it gets to be you're just not comfortable as a coach. Like Billy Donovan was saying this the other day about Alfonso McKinney, like they're just trying to get him in a meeting and take an hour with him to explain the sets and the systems and what they'll want out of him. And then he goes out there in his first game, I think played around 28, 29 minutes um, and did as much as you could probably ask of a guy in that sense. So it's been difficult for the Bulls and these hardship waivers. You like to have guys who have at some point been plugged in in your G League team or system at some point. It's helpful. Um, but at some point you just got to go out there and play with who you got too. Cody, why why is the NBA so resistant to the idea of of delaying a game? It's not something that that they shied away from last year in the first semi I mean not full season but 72 game season that they played with with the cloud of covid covid looming over the season. What what's with the change in policy this year that they they seem dead set on getting the 82 games in as scheduled? Yeah, I would say two things. I mean, it always comes back to money, right? Every game that's played sure. and, and not canceled is money in the owner's pockets, and they want to play 82 of those games instead of, like, last year they cut the schedule to 72, and it was just it was just chaos at times with games getting rescheduled. And number two, uh, obviously, I think is the vaccine. Like, the NBA is confident in what the vaccine does and what it can do by way of health, and I think the Bulls are a nod toward that. They're fully vaccinated. Most of them have gotten booster shots, as Nikola Vucevic said last night. And Billy Donovan said, you know, of our seven players, this was when the Bulls still had seven in protocols, not nine. He made the note that most all of them have no symptoms or mild symptoms. So in the NBA's mind, I think the vaccine and getting the NBA players to take it at, what, a 97, 98% rate? Uh, at this point recently was what the players were vaccinated at. Like they believe in that and they believe in the system. And to them, the, the competitive disadvantage in the NBA's eyes is not a big deal, I don't think, in a short stretch. So they don't care if you have a really rough one or two games with what your roster is showing. And I mean, we go back to last year, like just conducting a, a season at that point, like it's always been a balancing act between money and getting the games in and having your product and health and safety. And the longer we've gone in this pandemic, it's only hedged more 
toward getting the games in and returning to normal with the caveat being make sure everyone has a vaccine and as smart as possible. So like they're just trying to be as normal as possible. And so I think it comes back to money and they just they don't care if your team goes 0-3 because you're down like three of your stars for a week-long stretch. They're basically like keep it moving. But the Bulls certainly uh, are the biggest test case so far for this of how far the NBA can push the line here. Because say what you want, like they could have eight guys, nine guys available, but these are guys that it's going to be a really difficult spot for the team. And when you're adding like two days, two guys per day in the protocols, like the Bulls could theoretically come back on Tuesday afternoon at 4.30 and get results that say two or three more guys are out. So that I think is the concern for the NBA that like you could go under your minimum threshold of players, you know, two hours before tip off. And that would be a disaster too. Sterling covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com. Rami Makhlouf with you on the score on a Sunday afternoon. And when you talk about the competitive advantage or, or disadvantage when, when you have shorthanded teams like the Bulls are, Cody, last night I was I was on Twitter when when uh, the, 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 the latest COVID announcement was made about the Chicago Bulls and, and a lot of people basically – waving the white flag on their game against the Miami Heat last night or, or after the fact going, well, yeah, of course they were going to lose that game. Look, look at look at how depleted they are from 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 all the guys in, in COVID protocol. But, Cody, Cody, I look at that Miami team, and Caleb Martin entered COVID-19 protocols for them earlier in the day, and they were already without Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and Markeith Morris and Victor Oladipo. While, yes, obviously COVID has ravaged the Bulls' roster, but – at the top end of their roster, without DeRozan, but they did have Vooch, they did have Levine, they did have LaBall, they, they they did have Ball, they did have Caruso playing in that game last night. I thought that was a winnable game last night, Cody. And not only was it not winnable, it was it was kind of not competitive when all was said and done. Yeah, that was a really disappointing performance by the Bulls. I mean, they'd had two off days, so the rest factor was not a problem. Like they'd been in Miami, and that was a game that. It's, it's okay to lose. Like, I mean, that's a rough situation, but the lack of being competitive, I, I think, was um, just a testament to the Bulls having a really poor day. And I understand it's really hectic for them right now, but the Heat were in the same situation. Like, if, if you're going to go back to the on-court product, like, I mean, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, none of those guys did a good enough job defensively on the perimeter for the Bulls. Like, that's been what has driven this team so often is creating turnovers and havoc for the other team getting into their system. And the Heat got where they won on the floor, and then they collapsed the Bulls, and then the Bulls lose Duncan Robinson because they're collapsing down on defense, don't have a lot of rim protection. So, like, the guys that did play, like, they were arrested and available, and the Bulls still, I think you could make an argument, had more top-end talent just with Zach and... Lonzo and Vooch out there, but obviously Vooch hasn't been himself whatsoever all this year. He's been performing very poorly lately, so maybe that doesn't help that argument there. But like you said, with Butler and Adebayo out, like that was a winnable game for the Bulls. So that's a loss they're just going to have to wear, and I, I think they got to get better. Whoever's out there, you have to play better perimeter defense, and that was very much a winnable game that they weren't competitive in. So I, I think moving forward, you'll see better performances than that, even if they're even more shorthanded here, because we haven't seen that type um, of poor defense on the perimeter very often this year. I think one guy that they'll be looking to for, for improved performance maybe – more than anybody else would be Vucevic, who continues to struggle with that shot, Cody. Three for 15 last night, one for four from the three-point line. And now, in his last three games, he's averaging just 16 points on just over 29% shooting. He's made only two three-pointers 
in his last two outings as well. And this is kind of a trend for the season, shooting 40% from the field, 34% from the three-point line on the season. And after last night's game, Cody basically saying, I don't have any idea what's going on with my shot right now. Not like, you know, I've, I've heard shooters before where they're like, yeah, you know, I was not hitting shots. I went to the iPad. I went through my checklist of things that I'm supposed to do in my shooting motion, and I corrected it. Vooch sounds like a guy who's kind of a little bit lost in terms of how to correct his shot and get himself back on course. I think that's why it's so difficult, right? You ask him about what's he think about the spots on the floor he's getting the ball and he likes them you look at the shots and a lot of them are really open you know like they are good looks and you know he he expresses a belief that like he's comfortable with how he's being used in this system obviously there was a learning curve and such when you add DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls um, really pick up the pace as much as they can, especially off turnovers. And Vooch hasn't been that guy that runs up and down the floor. He's been a more methodical player in his past in Orlando, but he doesn't know the answers. And you talk about mechanics and he feels like he's doing the same thing he usually does. He will say he doesn't feel rushed. I think sometimes when you're out there watching him, maybe he seems a little rushed, but at the same time, like, don't we just say that about players? Like when they're struggling, like we say, oh, he's rushing a little bit stuff like that. So sometimes it's just a cliche that no one knows. And you're asking these questions. I'm asking these questions. Fans are asking the questions and the Bulls don't know the answer. So uh, some of it could just be decline. Like that's what happens when you get older in your career. And I think what's Vooch at this point, like going on 32 here pretty soon, 31, 32. Um, So he's a guy that you just hope has to find it. And that's a big drop. You mentioned his 40% field goal percentage. Like, that's nowhere near his career average, which is around 49%, I think, heading into this season, closer to 50%. And at some point, he's got to figure it out. And it's one of those things, too, you feel bad for him, not because, like, oh, the Bulls are winning or losing and this stuff, but the rest of the teams just played so well that you feel for Vooch because he's a good guy and he's like the one major guy who's just not figuring it out and not playing to that level right now. So you can kind of see him wear it mentally in that sense. Like he mentioned last night, like the most disappointing thing to him isn't so much whether, whether the ball goes or doesn't go in the hoop. It's that he's not there for his teammates and he feels like he's letting them down. So he needs to make sure to understand that he's got to focus on himself and not worry about how his teammates feel because they're okay. They're telling him to keep shooting. They're confident. They're going to still be good and everything. So it's a tough balancing act. And really for the Bulls, they don't have a lot of choices to fix it other than letting Vooch ride it out. I mean, you can use maybe Derek Jones Jr. if you were fully healthy at backup center a little bit more if you want to do the uh, have him have him dive on pick and rolls and stuff and go for alley-oops. You can use Vooch in different ways on the floor sometimes, but for the most part, you're just going to keep letting him get the same shots and hope he figures it out because they've been good looks for the most part. If it is, and honestly, I hadn't even considered this and wasn't planning on asking you this, Cody, but you you brought up the possibility that it is just decline for for Vooch. If if that's the case and, and there isn't you know, improvement or at least vast improvement coming in terms of his shot and, and his scoring ability for this basketball team. What does that do? How much does that set back the plan that that's been put in place? And so far, obviously, has has worked pretty well by the brain trust of, of the of the Chicago Bulls so far. Well, yeah, I mean, it hurts it, but this is kind of what they had to guard against, too. I mean, you're adding 
a, a high risk, high re reward move there. You paid DeMar DeRozan a lot of money and they knew that not, I think they knew behind the scenes that not everything was going to work out perfectly. It's like the DeRozan edition did work out perfectly and the Vooch one isn't working out whatsoever at all right now. I think it probably would have been a little bit more middle ground in each of those, those moves if you gave the front office truth serum of how everything's going to work. So it, in the end, it feels like the Bulls are still playing at a high level, but it hurts them like because the reason it hurts them is because there's just not a lot of options to dig yourself out of this, right? Like no one wants to trade for Vooch when he's playing like this at his age and with his contract in an NBA in which centers don't matter as much unless you are like Joel Embiid good, Nikola Jokic good. Like Teams just don't run the majority of their offense through center as much nowadays unless they are an elite MVP type uh, level player. So uh, again, that's what it is. Like, it's got to be internal fixes for the most part. You can get closer to the trade deadline and add a little bit more of a low-profile option maybe to back up a backup big man or, or a backup four that can play some center. I don't know who all those names are yet. Obviously, we've seen the Pacers um, basically shopping Miles Turner and Sabonis, but that price is going to be way too high for the Bulls, I'm sure. So, like, there's no easy option and fix now, but it's also December 12th. Trade deadline's two months away, and, and you look at moves, I think, for this Bulls team down the line that would be more on the, the fringes of the rotation or, or kind of the, the rotation filling that out more than you would a huge name at the trade deadline, just given their situation, what they've done before. But if Vooch keeps performing like this, yeah, you got to turn your attention to, to the center spot and be like, how can we improve the production here internally and maybe with low-profile moves ahead of the trade deadline? Cody, I'm up against the clock, but I didn't want to ask you just just one quick big picture question about about the the NBA and and the Bulls standing in it. When the season first started, I I I I stated that I thought, and I think most people were on this page with me. It's the Nets and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, and then it's a bunch of teams playing for third base or third place and on down. And I I still haven't really moved off that. I know I know the Bulls have have played above expectations for much of the season. A lot of people buying into the heat and maybe even some some thinking that the 76ers, as Joel Embiid refines his, his MVP caliber form, that they may be something to be reckoned with in the East. Has anything, whether it be the Bulls or, or anybody else, changed about the competitive landscape of the Eastern Conference in your eyes? Yeah, I was with you on the Nets and Bucks being in a tier of their own entering the season, expecting that rematch. I think the thing that would change for the most part when you're talking upper echelon of that conversation is just that the Bucks are there by themselves alone, I think, when they get fully healthy. And obviously Robin Lopez has serious back issues here, but like they've been really good since Giannis and Drew Holiday and these guys um, have come back and been healthier for them. And I think they're a tier above the Nets right now. And that has a lot to do with Kyrie Irving's status of just being completely out after refusing to get the vaccine. And that could change if the Nets were to trade Kyrie Irving and get anything of value. Uh, if the vaccine mandates change or he decides to get it, that would juice up their team a ton. But right now, I feel like at the top of the East, it's more almost bucks alone. And then I feel like that next tier is kind of mixed up right now. We've seen the Bulls play really well against the Nets and beat them twice. And I would still probably take Kevin Durant in a playoff series, seven games, because uh, he's just a wonderful player. But, like, it feels like the Bulls and Nets are kind of in that tier together. And like you said, like, we've seen the Heat play the Bulls really well a couple times now and beat them. I like them a lot in the playoffs, too, if they get healthy. But to me, it's bucks over everyone else more so um, when you're talking about the biggest changes now maybe from entering the season. That's Cody Westerlin. Check out his work covering the Bulls at 670. 
thescore.com, and my guest for the last few minutes here on 670 The Score. Cody, appreciate the time and the insight, my man. Thank you so much. Yep, have a good rest of the show. Cody Westerlin joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Quick break, then I want to get into some bulls with you. How much of this, these these recent struggles, are we chalking up to go COVID and, and injuries? Or are we starting to see cracks in these Chicago Bulls? Let's talk about it next. Rami Makhlouf with you on the score. Phone lines open, 312-644-6767. You can text me using that number as well, or drop us a line on the Twitters, at Rami is tweeting, at 670 the score. Rami Makhlouf back with you on the score on a Sunday afternoon right after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's going to do it as Miami will dribble out the puck in the final score. Heat 118 and the Bulls 92. That was the final last night, as heard right here on 670 The Score, your home for Bulls basketball. Rami Makhlouf with you on The Score on a Sunday afternoon. We'll get back into some Bears talk. We'll talk Packers and Bears with the Packer Hall of Famer, Leroy Butler, coming up at 3 o'clock. He'll talk about tonight's game, some of his recollections of that rivalry. Is this still a rivalry? We'll talk about that with Leroy coming up at 3 o'clock. But just talk some bulls with Cody Westerland of 670thescore.com. And I would like to talk some bulls for a minute with you here at 312-644-6767. Give me a call or drop a line on the Rosen Hyundai text line. I want to know, do, do you think do you think we can chalk this all up to, 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 to the the roster being ravaged by COVID, these recent struggles, or 
Are we maybe starting to see some of the cracks in the Chicago Bulls after a hot start? 312-644-6767 as they've now lost two in a row and it doesn't get any easier because in case you didn't hear the news just a couple hours ago, Zach Levine, the ninth Bull to enter COVID protocol as they get ready to take on the Pistons tomorrow night. You'll hear that game right here on the score if um, that game is played because we're not sure if the Bulls will be able to field a healthy enough roster and full enough roster to play that game. They'll need eight healthy players, so we'll see what transpires between now and the next 24 hours or so when the NBA and the Bulls and the Pistons will need to make the decision as to whether or not that game is being played. But they've lost a couple in a row now, and... Yeah, I mean, you can obviously chalk some of this up to an injury and and COVID-depleted roster for the Chicago Bulls right now. You're never going to be, you know, your true self and and you're fully the best version of yourself when when you're down nine players who are on the COVID list now with, with Levine being the latest. But I'll just take last night's game as an example. And I, I brought this up to Cody Westerland and asking you, can we chalk this all up? to a COVID-ravaged roster, or are we starting to see some cracks in the Bulls? 312-644-6767. Shoot me a call or a text or tweet the show at 670. The score at Rami is tweeting. R-A-M-I-E is tweeting. And yeah, last night, you know, we, we know what the Bulls were dealing with heading into last night, who was available, who was not available, et cetera, et cetera, with Ayo Dasunmu going on the COVID list just a day before and being the latest Latest guy to go down and a guy who's playing a role for this team. But look at that Miami team that the Bulls were facing last night. I, I saw the tweet go out from 670 to score saying, hey, it's Bulls game day. You know, tune in here and there at this time and, and whatever the case might be. And and a lot of a lot of the replies to that were, well, they're going to lose this game. No chance of winning this game. Wave the white flag on this one. This is just this is just a a get in get out type of game. Just hope hope nobody else lands on the list. And of course, Levine does land on the list today. But I I was looking at that game and looking at that Miami roster and going, okay, they're already without Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and Markeith Morris and Victor Oladipo, four of their best players. And then Caleb Martin, he goes into COVID-19 protocols earlier in the day after a big day against the Bucks just a couple days earlier. And, yeah, the Bulls roster was COVID-ravaged last night. Eight guys in the protocol, now nine with Levine going in today. But I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have the Bulls roster situation going into last night than than what the Miami Heat were dealing with. Take 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 five, six guys off the middle or bottom end of my roster and my rotation before you take, you know, the top two or three. And I know DeRozan was not in that game last night, but this is a team that did have Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball and Vooch and got Caruso back into the lineup last night. Those are those are four of your best players right there. Even without DeMar DeRozan, we're talking about the top end of the Bulls roster versus the top end of the Heat's roster. The The Bulls were in much better shape heading into that game last night. And you heard Cody Westerland talking about some of the defensive lapses and failures of the Bulls last night. And the thing that's most concerning, if, if, if you want to have any hopes 
of the Bulls climbing into the same tier as as the Brooklyn Nets or even the Milwaukee Bucks and making some noise in the Eastern Conference this year come playoff time. And I don't know how realistic that is. I've I've voiced my doubts of, of that being a realistic possibility on this show on this station before. But if you want to have any hope of that, it's probably going to take every one of these moves that the Bulls Brain Trust has made over the last few years for them to work and for them to pay off. And so far, you know, when we talk about the Zach Levine trade of a few years ago, that's obviously looking pretty good. When we talk about bringing in DeMar DeRozan, that's been amazing. Lonzo Ball has been outstanding for the Bulls. Caruso is everybody's MVP. But you're going to need every move to work if you want to climb into a tier and a conversation with the Nets and the Bucks of the world. And man, to this point, Vooch just ain't working. He's just, he's not the scoring force that you need him to be on the offensive side of the court. And last night, a great example of that. Three for 15, one for four from the three-point line. And in his last three games, he's averaged 16 points on 29.4 shooting. He's made two three-pointers in his last two outings combined. And this isn't something new. He's shooting 40% on the season, 34% from the three-point line. Adam, I didn't ask you if you had this during the break, and if you don't, it's fine. But his comments after the game last night were were what were what raised an eyebrow for me. You hear you hear scores, you hear shooters sometimes will struggle, and they'll say, "Yeah, I got to I got to go back and you know check the tape, go grab the iPad and look at what I'm doing, what I'm doing wrong, go over my checklist." of things that I need to be doing when I'm going up for a shot. Vooch doesn't sound like he knows what to go and check or if there's anything to fix. He basically said, I don't have any answers to what's going on right now. Do we have that ready to go, Adam? Let's let's hear from let's hear Vooch after the loss last night against Miami. And it's tough, you know, when you uh you want to go out there and uh you know play well and help the team win and you don't do your job, you know, it's uh, obviously frustrating and I obviously you know, have a lot of pride in myself and I put a little work in It's not working for me right now, but you know, it's part of it. You know, obviously I've, I've never been through a slump like this <coughs> Excuse me. and I just have to work myself out of it. I mean, there's no other way. Obviously, I'm not playing well right now. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not doing my job and I just got to figure it out. It's plain and simple. I, I hope I hope he does figure it out. That that sounds like a guy who's who's pretty lost right now in Nikolai Vucevic for for the Bulls. And like I said, they 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 could they could make a little bit of noise in the Eastern Conference if Vuce doesn't figure it out. If you want to have any hope of 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 being in a conversation with the Nets and the Bucks, you're gonna need that guy to find the form that the Bulls expected when they brought him in from Orlando. How much of this recent struggles for the Bulls are we chalking up? 
to to a, a roster that's ravaged by COVID with Zach Levine, the latest to go on the list today, or are we starting to see some cracks? 312-644-6767. If you want to talk about that, shoot me a call or a text. You can also tweet at 670 to score at Rami is tweeting. And obviously much more on Bears and Packers as they go at it tonight at 720. Bet Rivers pregame show takes these airwaves at 430 with Molly, Olin Krutz, and Patrick Manley right up until kickoff. Rami Makloff with with you on the score on a Sunday afternoon and back right after this. You're just working hard every day. So you can do really. I'm um, just trying to be sure that you hold everybody around you accountable and, and continue to be the best you can be every day. That's all you can really ask for from anybody and, and, and from myself as well. So um, we've been getting after it this week. So uh, I'm excited to go play. There's Bears running back David Montgomery. This is Rami Makloff. On 670, the score with you on a Sunday afternoon. Here till 4 o'clock, 4.30. It's the Bet Rivers pregame show with Mully, Olin Krutz, Patrick Manley. They'll take you from 4.30 right up until kickoff between the Packers and the Bears. 7.20 on our sister station, 780 WBBM. More Packers and Bears talk coming up at 3 o'clock with the Packer Hall of Famer, Leroy Butler. Talk about tonight's game, the rivalry, some of his memories of that rivalry. And Stacey Dales of NFL Network. We'll hear from her coming up at 3.20. Score NFL contributor as well. She's coming up at 3:20, Justin Fields returns for this game tonight against the Green Bay Packers. And man, don't don't take this the wrong way that I'm some kind of hater or something because I'm not at all. I love me some Justin Fields. I just I, I brought up earlier in the show that there there is there is a meatball fan in me. I think I think there is a meatball fan in all of us. Adam, you you got a little meatball in you. You got a little meatball in you as a sports oh, of fan. Of course. Yeah, I, I think we all do. I think we all have a little meatball in us as as a sports fan. Like, for example, a perfect example of the Jekyll and Hyde nature of my fandom is that up until 720 tonight, I have been and, and will continue to pray that the Green Bay Packers do Bears fans the favor of embarrassing this franchise on the national stage tonight and forcing them into making some kind of change and hopefully the right kind of change to give us something to root for and something competitive in this rivalry uh, moving moving forward after after the 2021 season but when i sit down in front of my tv tonight i'm going to be screaming and i'm going to be throwing things at my tv when the bears probably give us like a little glimmer of hope that they could win this game and give us something to cheer for for at least one night and then inevitably just just piss away that that glimmer of hope that they give us like that that will happen and I will get upset even though that's kind of the outcome that I'm looking for and when it comes to Justin Fields the the Jekyll and Hyde in me is is strong the meatball in me is strong when it comes to Justin Fields because the meatball in me wanted to love that pick when they made it, the meatball in me did love that pick when they made it. But I also, and I brought this up earlier in the show, there was the what I think is just a little bit smarter, more analytical side of me, more more critical thinking side of me, that when they made that pick, I went, man, as much as I like Justin Fields, if Ryan Pace likes Justin Fields, and Ryan Pace is the guy that's given us Mike Glennon, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, and Andy Dalton. 
Well, maybe I'm wrong about Justin Fields because this guy's always wrong about quarterbacks. It's what he does is be wrong about quarterbacks. So maybe I'm wrong about that. But the meatball side of but but the, the meatball side of me was going, no, man, he's the guy. He's the dude. He's the savior. He's the one who's gonna fix this thing, and nothing is gonna stop or get in the way of that. And now with Justin Fields and the situation that he's in, and get in on this at 312-644-6767. I want to know, did you want to see Justin Fields get back for this game and get back for for this this last stretch of schedule? 312-644-6767 is I can get in on the show via phone, via text. You can tweet me, at Rami is tweeting, R-A-M-I-E is tweeting, or at 670 the score. The, the meatball in me, like, wants this dude to get out there on the field. Just something exciting, something to root for, maybe, you know, pull off some kind of miracle and 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 win this game. Hell, maybe pull off a real miracle and, you know, play the Bears back into relevance this season with what's left on the schedule. By the way, Adam, earlier when we were talking about the standings, you you told me that the Bears were just two games behind the San Francisco 49ers for that last playoff spot, which is true. And you even pointed out that, you know, they have the tiebreaker over San Francisco because they won that game. The San Francisco has the tiebreaker. Other way around. Or excuse me, the 49ers have the tiebreaker, excuse me, because they won this game. You neglected to mention that there's, yes, two games between the Bears and the 49ers. There's six teams between the Bears and the 49ers. Yes, there are. We have to hope that things go wrong for that. Like, that's that's a tall mountain to climb right there, man, if we're talking about any any playoff hopes. You got the Giants. Now, they're 4-8, and but right now ahead of the Bears in the standings for, you know, percentage point reasons or whatever the case might be. The Saints... The Falcons, the Panthers, all at five and seven. The Eagles at six and seven, and then the Vikings at six and seven, and then the 49ers, who, as you pointed out, have the tiebreaker over the Bears, sit there at six and six, and the seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. So yes, two games back, but it's a lot more than than just two games might seem like on the surface. But well, if, that, well here's, again, here's the other thing. Well, you know, if they got two games against the Vikings left, so there's there's sure. there's that. Okay. The the Panthers aren't they're just gonna keep losing. Washington's losing today. The 49ers play this afternoon. So, you know, there's room there. The Falcons aren't going anywhere. So it, there's it, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's there's the Bears would have to win out. But there's enough teams that are going to be losing in front of them that there is the possibility of like, oh, they could make a run. They're not going to. Just saying it's theoretically possible. And you know what you're doing right now is you're you are feeding the meatball fan in me. You're feeding the meatball side of of my fan brain when we talk about the Bears and and what I was just talking about with Justin Fields. The meatball in me, he wants Justin Fields to come back tonight. He wants Justin Fields to have a big game and to get his first win and 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 strike his first blow in the in the Packers Bears rivalry and show Aaron Rodgers that no, he doesn't own us. Like I I would the meatball side of me is really really hoping for that tonight, Adam. But and 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 you all out there can get in on this at 312-644-6767. Did you want Justin Fields back on on the field for this one tonight and for for this stretch of of the last 5 games? 312-644-6767 or tweet the show at 670 the score. The more analytical, the more critical thinking side of me as a fan knows like that's not a real th- these aren't 
really realistic possibilities. If they are, they're like fringe realistic possibilities that, that Justin Fields comes out tonight and puts on a performance that's good enough for the Bears to top the Packers. And, and even more of a fringe realistic possibility, as you were just laying out the, the playoff scenarios there, Adam, that he does enough to, to play this team back into the playoff picture and back into relevance and give us something real to cheer for this season. Those are, those are remote possibilities at this point of the season with, with what we've seen from this Bears team and, and who and what we all know that they are. And with that being said, that side of me didn't want to see Justin Fields get back out there for this game or really for any other game for the remainder of this season. I'm, 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 and not because I have anything against Justin Fields. No, I love the dude. I'm still hoping that, that he's the savior for this franchise. I've, I've seen enough of Justin Fields to know that he could work in the NFL. He's he's a good enough raw product. He's 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 a quality raw ball of clay that just needs to be molded right now by by the Chicago Bears and and whoever's hands that they decide to put him in hopefully after the Matt Nagy era comes to a merciful end. I I've seen enough to know that he is that. And that's that's great. That's that's the starting point. That's that's all you can ask for when you draft a quarterback out of college. He and 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 so far so good. I've seen enough out of him that I know he is that. I've brought up I brought this up before. Dan Orlovsky described quarterback on ESPN in saying that there's there's the art of playing quarterback and then there's the science of playing quarterback. And the art comes kind of naturally to most guys. That's the ability to make something out of nothing. Whether you do it with your legs, whether you do it with your arms, whether you're just smart enough that you can read defenses and make something happen when there is nothing there. That's the art of playing quarterback. Then there's the science of playing quarterback, and that more has to be taught. That more has to be instilled and put in you through coaching, through culture, through environment, through the right players around you, through the right protection in front of you. And I just don't see that happening with the current Bears regime. I just don't. And it's not, Hub was saying earlier when I had Hub Arkish on at the start of the one o'clock hour, you know, if, if you're worried about this guy getting broken, then he probably shouldn't be out there in the first place. And maybe there is something to that. I'm not necessarily worried about him being broken necessarily physically. I'm worried about him being broken Big picture wise, that that he's not going to get the coaching that he needs, that he's not going to be put in the right system for him to get the most out of him. And that he doesn't have a coach in Matt Nagy who's going to teach him how to how to play quarterback at the next level and everything that goes into it. I just haven't seen it from this regime. And from this point on, after we've known, we've seen that he can he can do the art part of playing quarterback. And do all those things that come to a guy naturally. The science side of it, I feel like we can only go backwards from here. And the best thing that can happen, which is probably the worst thing in actuality that could happen, is that Justin Fields is just good enough, just good enough to convince the Bears' brain trust that we don't need major change. I don't know if that's still a possibility, but really that that's the only thing that could come out of this is if, if Justin Fields 
comes out and and does what he's capable of doing here in the second half. I didn't want to see this dude back on the field this year. And that's not because of Justin Fields. That's because of the Bears. How about you? 312-644-6767. Let's go to Joe. He's in Evanston. Now he's on the score. What's up, Joe? Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder there. Uh, I was kind of calling and say I kind of hope that uh, Fields stays injured the whole year uh, just so uh, Nagy doesn't have the chance to, to throw, uh, ruin him and ruin his career. I thought that Trubisky could have had a much better career, but Nagy has, like, a square hole of a system, and he forces, you know, circle-shaped quarterbacks and, and triangle-shaped uh, peg quarterbacks into that square hole instead of adapting or doing anything to improve uh, the situation for those players. So I'm happy with him to sit out. I think he's better for the Bears, better for his career if he doesn't play anymore under Nagy. Appreciate the call. Yeah, we're on exact. We're on exactly the same page. Exactly the same page with that. I just I don't see how playing him now. Now seeing the NFL, seeing the speed, getting the reps. Sure, I I guess I guess that can help, but. When you have the albatross of Matt Nagy hanging around you, as, as the caller just pointed out, he's constantly trying to pound square pegs through round holes. And then, and then when he gets the, the round peg for the round hole, or at least he claims he does with Nick Foles, who knows his system and is going to come in here and operate it at a high level, or when he gets Andy Dalton and he's telling us in the preseason, if the season started today, we'd be running this, high, this offense at a high level. He can't. Matt Nagy's offenses can't put up more than 14 points on the board, 17 max. It doesn't matter who he has at quarterback. If it's just the right quarterback for his system, if it's somebody who he has to alter and adjust to, it doesn't matter. Matt Nagy doesn't run competent offenses at the NFL level. What is Justin Fields putting him out there in that and in harm's way of both the defense that's that's coming after him and Matt Nagy, who's who's setting him back what good does that do for the Chicago Bears at this point? If it was a mandate from on high that Matt Nagy played Justin Fields earlier in the season, as Hub Arkish reports and stands by the report that it was, an order needs to come from on high that we're cool, we've seen enough, we're good. You know, We don't need to see you coaching Justin Fields anymore. Let's hit a quick break. Keep the Packers and Bears talk going as they go at it tonight at Lambeau Field. We'll take a look at it from the other side of things up there above the border and the Packer Hall of Famer Leroy Butler will join me to talk about tonight's game and the rivalry between these two franchises right after this. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score on a Sunday afternoon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 